you get to see my face on the show. Uh, on the show today, I have uh, Stephen from uh, Athling Media Works. Uh, Stephen, please go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm the owner and operator of Athling Media Works in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, yeah, been doing it uh, meat making for a while, and got the meadery going a couple years ago. It's been uh, been fun. Uh, before I get too far into this i do want to say steven was nice enough to actually send me a couple of his meads which were uh lear song as well as uh shield maiden and we did a little experiment to test them both at room temperature as well as uh after being chilled and i found for both of those meads they were actually incredibly wonderful either way but the flavor for both of them does tend to come out better chilled especially with lyre song uh, and Shield Maiden, it's an amazing mead in my opinion. Uh, the blackberry mixed with that uh, raspberry blossom honey was a really smart idea in my opinion. Worked out really well. Wonderful, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Um, so one of the questions I love to ask everybody in general, just because I feel like it always makes a great conversation, is uh, how did you first start getting into making mead? It's a interesting story. My grandfather was a home winemaker back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and maybe before then, certainly as long as I can remember. And I was fairly young and was interested, and he set me up with the means to get my own winemaking kit. So I made a Cabernet Sauvignon, and then the very next thing I made was a mead, because mm-hmm. I was familiar with mead already, and have been doing it ever since. It's been... Uh, 34-ish years, something like that. Wow, that's quite a while. Uh, For me, it was kind of uh, tracing my heritage a little bit. Uh, I found out I actually had Scandinavian DNA through a 23andMe uh, DNA test. Uh, Also, I'm mostly Irish, which I already knew. And just tracing back my history and then obviously, thankfully, uh, for the mead community, we started to see uh, mead blow up in like Game of Thrones, stuff like that. And I finally just hit that point of where I was like, it can't be that hard to make, right? Let's see if I can figure out how to do this. And uh, now I'm actually at the point of where I'm looking at uh, opening up a meadery with my brother myself. And it's always interesting for me as that person going from the homebrew level to uh, the actual meadery owner to talk with people and figure out how they do things. Cause I've noticed uh, I do things quite differently from a lot of other people and I'm sure everyone else does as well. Um, my next question is uh, how did you turn it from starting to uh, be a brewery into actually being a functional business? Gotcha, gotcha. So um, I've been making mead for a long time at home and really enjoyed sharing it with folks really really enjoyed sharing it and introducing folks to me and had sort of expanded over time into my dining room and i attempted to take over our kitchen and at, at that point it was clear that one of us had to leave the house so the the mead was going to move out and at about the, the same time i started entering competitions i've never really entered competitions before and started winning medals mm. and that was really neat it was it was really cool not only because you win something you get the medal kind of thing but also you get this great feedback so you get this feedback you can tweak it and see what really unbiased opinions are right and once it became clear that the mead had to go and I was doing it, it had to go out of the house and that I was doing pretty well on the, the competition 
into things. We talked about opening or building a separate little building in the backyard. And my wife and I talked about it and thought, well, if we're gonna go to that extent, I've talked about opening a commercial meadery for years and years and years, maybe time to take the plunge. So we started looking and started planning and eventually wound up here. Right. Um, the first competition I had ever entered actually was the Mazer Cup, which is the biggest uh, mead competition for those that don't know. And it was, I was actually caught really surprised on how well one of my meads did, which was uh, my Huckleberry Boucher. I wasn't expecting to place at all or get anywhere near close to placing, but I actually got into the second round of uh, the homebrew level and I scored a 47 on a Huckleberry Boucher that I had made, which getting that high and that big of a competition when it's the first competition you've ever entered, for me, it was like, okay, clearly I'm already doing something right if I have all these judges saying I'm that good on the homebrew level. And now yeah. I'm looking at a lot of different recipes and thankfully, you know, I've had a lot of guidance along the way, a lot of great people and uh, the podcast, uh, excuse me, the podcast has actually been a really great way for me to learn things as well. But I mean, uh, I have to sing praises to like Carvin Wilson, Robert Ratliff, uh, Pete, obviously. Uh, and I mean, just talking with all of those guys, I mean, some of those guys have heads that could talk for days just about yeast mm -hmm. and just about all the science behind it and just... I mean, there's people that blow my mind with how much they know about microbiology. And it's really interesting to learn about it. And I think for me, part of the joy of making meat is a little bit of the science, but there is a point where I feel like it could get a little overwhelming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a it's truly both an art and a science. It really it's is. A lot of a lot of science, a lot of art. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this one is really like, I think this is probably the hardest question I ask people, uh, but it always leads to an interesting response. So outside of your own mead, what would you say mm -hmm. is the mead that you feel, and it could be from different people, it's fine. Uh, mm -hmm. but what would you say is the one that's definitely left a lasting impression for you? Yeah, there's, there's been several actually, um, you know, I've, Known a bunch of folks over the years, and and we've all made a bunch of mead. Mm. I've got some some friends who make just tremendous meads who would do great in the competition circuit or commercial circuit, mm -hmm. kind of. Thing. They make different meads. A lot of folks make very different styles of mead from what I do, mm -hmm. but it's still it's still very very good. I'm not sure there's like one that's absolutely the the best. There's just there's a lot of good ones that a lot of folks I know in kind of meat making circles have made over the years that I've had the honor of trying. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. I absolutely agree. I mean, just going from one meteor to another, you can taste the differences and you still see amazing products like uh, Billy Belts over at Lost Cause. Uh, he often uses buckwheat honey mm -hmm. and I have no idea how he does amazing meads with buckwheat honey, but I love the meads that I've had from him, every single one. Uh, and then, I mean, Oppengard, uh, John Oppengard, I love his meads as well. I had uh, the elderberry one, and I finally got a chance to try Dragon's Blood as well. And nice. both of them were absolutely amazing. Um, and then you have people like me who rarely use wine yeast for mm -hmm. their mead. I use ale yeast instead of wine yeast a lot of times. 
and just by doing that it changes my flavor profile a lot uh, mm-hmm. but I do that because of the way I build my recipes and I find that the ill yeast works better for me mm-hmm. so. yeah and that's very much part of the art and science with mm. it the, the yeast selection the honey selection the the lyre song that you had was mm. your raspberry blossom honey water I've got my own well at this facility which is pretty cool oh that, so your yeast get a lot of natural nutrients that's mm-hmm. great Yep, and um, it taps a, a deep aquifer under the Appalachian Mountains here, mm-hmm. and then the the yeast selection, and you change any one of those things, it would just it would alter the profile. Right, uh, I like to use uh, spring water uh, for my mead myself. Uh, although there are some great wells up in Oregon where we will be uh, moving to in the future, I might look at switching, but I'm kind of I kind of at that point right now where it's like don't fix what ain't broke <laughs> because I've got solid things already that I know are working. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I would, uh, my next question is another one that's uh, a little bit tough just as the person making the mead. Cause I know me personally, my favorite mead that I have made is always that next one I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what would you say is your favorite mead that you currently have on tap? Oh, that's a, a tough one. The, uh, I like them both. The Shield Maiden mm-hmm. has, has turned out really special for me, as as you found out. Right. Um, it, it turned into just a, a really, really good result with that blackberry and the aging it on oak and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like picking between your favorite kids or something. Yeah, uh, I, I could definitely agree to that because it's like you raised this thing up and it came out amazing and then you send it out into the world and you're hoping that people love it as much as you do, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to yeah. put it. Very much. I'm getting ready to bottle, as soon as the labels and bottles come in, a uh, pint that I've got in the the fermenter. And Ooh. yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. I was able to score some wildflower honey from that, some Virginia wildflower honey. Mm-hmm. Um, made it with Merlot grape. Not sure I'm supposed to say that. Grape that would be Merlot grape if it were wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, but it's it's also aged on oak, and we should have that in bottles here in the next few weeks. I'm hoping to get that out. That that may change my answer, you know, a few weeks from now. Right, right. Um, I do have uh, one question uh, regarding oaking. Are you using uh, spirals, uh, cubes? How are you going about the oaking process? No, I'm adding the the oak. I'm using uh, cubes and the fermenters themselves. Okay, got you. That uh, I've done that method as uh, multiple times. Uh, I actually find I prefer Hungarian over uh, French oak myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it depends on the meat I'm making, but mm-hmm. uh, Hungarian adds a lot of really nice coffee mo- uh, coffee mm-hmm. notes, and it goes great in coffee melts. And yeah. I actually have a coffee melt recipe that uh, I really love, and I uh, age it on Hungarian oak. Nice, nice. Yeah, this is one of those kind of things where, you know, I'm going with things that I know just made on a commercial s- scale. So right, right. I, no, and I understand yeah. that. <laughs> um, so let me just check my notes for some of my other questions. Oh, this one, honestly, I feel is kind of the easy one. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody has an answer for it. Uh, I will say I will not allow sanitizing to be the cop-out answer because everybody (laughs) says it. Uh, But if there was one piece of advice you could give to somebody at the homebrew level, just starting out, trying to learn how to make uh, mead, what would it be? 
it's to make me. I mean, it's just make mead and then make more mead mm. because it's you you can read about it, you can know the science behind it, but until you actually hands-on do it, you don't get that that art and that experience. Um, make mead, be willing to try different things, but in a consistent way. So change a little something, see what happens. Change a little something, see what happens. And be willing to make mistakes. As soon as you get comfortable with something, expand your boundaries and get comfortable with something else. And if you hadn't had failures, you hadn't made enough meat. No, I've had to pour a couple down and it's it hurts every time because honey is not cheap. <laughs> but uh, learning from that uh, is great. Now, granted, there are some meats that they might seem like failed meads, uh, mm -hmm. but you can save them. Like you have a mead that's too bitter mm -hmm. or um, something just doesn't taste quite the way you were expecting it to. Uh, for me, if it's just an issue with the taste, a lot of times I like to just let it sit around age for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, taste it again, see if it managed to mellow out. And if it didn't, I start thinking about adding something to back sweeten it or looking at what I could do to take away from that bitterness or if it's too high in alcohol content. Uh, again, back sweetening is uh, normally my go-to on that uh, mm -hmm. just to bring some sweetness out and lower the alcohol volume a little bit. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Also, I mean, adding tannins, adding oak, it's always an option. And uh, the more mead you make, the more you start to realize what you can do to fix it. Those bad mm -hmm. batches, in my opinion, at the homebrew level are where you really start learning how to be a better uh, mead maker is by learning how to fix it when it doesn't go the way you want it to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You figure out what happened where it didn't, that caused it not to come out like you wanted. Mm -hmm. And then you try to save it before you dump it. And all those things you do to try to save it become tools in your toolkit or later. Right. Uh, my next question uh, is really an easy one. And thankfully for you, you have that beautiful backdrop behind you <laughs> oh, that thank you. already shows the website. Uh, it is, uh, do you guys ship your mead uh, and can people order online? And if so, I would assume they could go to the website on your backdrop there to yes. order your mead. <laughs> Absolutely. We ship to 40 states plus the District of Columbia and it's right on our website. There's a uh, button that says our meads and that'll take you right to the right to the shopping cart and we'll get it out to you and drives UPS pretty quickly actually um, yeah I've noticed that even uh, when you shipped me uh, meat it got here a lot faster than I expected mm -hmm. um, and uh, are you using a Vino shopper or uh, something else for yours it is. We use Vino Shipper. Okay. Um, it's integrated into the website. I'm not exactly sure how all the programming works behind there, but it is Vino Shipper on the back end. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense because uh, Vino Shipper is. I, I think it's the what most people end up using in the mead community. Mm -hmm. And uh, personally, every time I've ordered something uh, through them, it gets here really fast. It's taken care of really well. And I've never really, personally, I've never had any issues with it. I have heard some of the horror stories, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm hoping that we can start working to mitigate some of those issues here soon. Mm -hmm. um, 
This will be uh, the second to last question I asked you. The last one deals more with uh, some of the current events going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I would just like to ask, uh, what would you say is probably the hardest mead that you have ever made? That's a, uh, a cool question, honestly. Mm. So I would make, right before, I guess the year before I, I went commercial, I was deliberately trying to see just how far I could push everything. Mm -hmm. You know, how dry can I make a mead with, and, you know, not have any faults in it, that kind of thing. And just for interest's sake, I decided to make a capsumel with Carolina Reaper peppers. Mm. And I deliberately wanted to use one of the hottest peppers in the world. And my challenge there was to make it not so hot that it was unpleasant. Right. I wanted to see if I could take a super hot pepper and make something that just had a little pepper heat, but draw out the flavor mm -hmm. and not get the vegetal notes. So I used, for that one, I used the uh, avocado honey and the Carolina Reapers and then back sweetened with uh, avocado. And it turned out really really good it's actually on our list to make commercially that will be coming up over the next few months oh nice yeah and it's got this it, it, the this smoky warmth to it mm -hmm. and then a little bit of heat on the back end that just fades away and it's long finish it came out really really well but uh, balancing those those things the dry mm -hmm. the sweet the the characteristics of avocado honey the tannins mm -hmm. the the pepper and the spices was um it was kind of cool, honestly. Right. A little bit of a trick. Um, I have a recipe that I still got to take back to the drawing board and rework, kind of figure it out, which is a, a maple pecan cinnamon roll recipe that I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, dealing with pecans, uh, obviously you have the fat. Uh, mm -hmm. Dealing with it, if you're trying to do it naturally, uh, I will say I'm looking at another method now that might still work. I'm not going to mm -hmm. reveal too many of my secrets there. <laughs> That's fine. But uh, I'm, uh, I noticed the biggest issue that I had was trying to render the fat off of the mead. Uh, also, there was a, a lot of cloudiness from the spices because I didn't use a filter the first time I did it. So I have to do something to filter that out. And then uh, the last issue I really had is I had gotten this really nice uh, rum-aged maple syrup. Mm -hmm. But instead of uh, adding it in secondary, I was trying to ferment the honey uh, with the maple syrup as well. And uh -huh. I actually found that fermenting maple syrup, you lose a lot of that maple flavor, which I wanted to be big in that recipe. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's kind of the part of it. I also had some issues with uh, the cream cheese extract that I had used, but I've found a better one that'll work for that. Um, now, the last question before we go, this one is definitely something that's a little bit hard to talk about right now with everything going on in the world, but I think it's important uh, to at least share the information as much as we can to help mm -hmm. other meteries that might be struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, and just in general, try to keep building the community up. Mm -hmm. um, because even with me starting to look at uh, opening a metery, for me, the idea is always friendly competition and uh, respecting mm -hmm. my fellow uh, brewers. Uh, so this question involves what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and mm -hmm. everything else. Uh, how has your business been 
dealing with uh, some of those issues. Uh, I know now it's a little bit later in time. We're starting to see some of the businesses opening up, but I'm just wondering uh, what works well for you right now and what seems to have not been working for you. Sure. Yeah. And it's, we've definitely noticed it. I mean, mm -hmm. we were new. We, we've been open. Well, actually June of 2019, we put out Liar Song. So we're right at one year from our per first commercial product going out the door. Well, uh, congratulations on your one year anniversary. Oh, that you. is a big mark. <laughs> that is a big, important mark. Yes, indeed. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I just realized it the other day, but, um, we, we set up as primarily a production facility without a real focus on a tasting room, but we did have Saturday hours. We were open one to five Saturday for drop-in tours and tasting. And we were just getting folks in the community discovering us and coming by and mm. you know, doing some tastings and, and getting things going that way when the pandemic hit. The real save for us has been through the shipping with the athelingneed.com and the, the ability ship because, mm. you know, we don't have the walk-in traffic anymore. So being able to take the orders online, send them, you know, 40 states, District of Columbia, all over Virginia. And we've got some very good relationships with bottle shops in the area mm. that carry our product. So, uh, and of course, they felt the hit as well. But being able to maintain re those relationships is very, very good as well. But once the once the regular hours had to go away, it became that or the the shipping mm. the athletic meat web website. Yeah, and I mean, uh, obviously, there's some economic issues going on as well. There's less people that have money available to spend, mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the issue as well. Uh, I have found that, uh, personally for me, just by doing uh, this right here, the podcast, which mm -hmm. I do continue to plan to do even after we get the doors open, uh, it's been a great way for me to build my network out. And uh, also, I love the fact that while I'm building my network, I get to have a chance to talk with amazing mead makers and help them build their network and have new connections just from that as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, uh, I think that's about all I have for you today, uh, Stephen. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and as always, Skull. Skull, thanks for having me. Have a nice day. Uh, I will uh, talk to you sometime later, I'm sure. All right. Sounds good. Keep in touch. Real interested to see how you guys go out on the, the West Coast through Meadery. That's exciting stuff. I'm really excited for it. I really can't wait for us to get out there and start getting grinding on it. I really am. Absolutely. If you're ever in Roanoke, you know, give me a shout. Swing by. Oh, I definitely will. And uh, if nothing else, I'm sure we'll see each other at a Mead convention or something. And uh, I would love to try that Capsamel uh, when I get a chance to. If you get it to where I can order it. Uh, I will. If nothing else, I'm fine with doing a bottle trade. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you. You too.